The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections, and Kinky Education. We're kinky, done differently. what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self. With questions asked by a guy. And now here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hi there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want on a Thanksgiving weekend, and it's time for a bonus show. I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit, and today we're joined by Monica Hamburg, a Montreal-based comedian, producer, actor, voiceover artist, podcaster, and storyteller. She has a show called Pornomedy, but she's getting ready to find out who the most annoying mom is in The Mom Off. Now, Monica Hamburg on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. And as always, we start with the first five. Five questions about firsts with comedian, producer, actor, voiceover artist, podcaster, storyteller, popcorn salesman. <laughs> Monica Hamburg. <laughs> Hello, I must say, I was a popcorn salesman. You did get that off my resume. And that was the worst job I've done so far. I was bad at it. Well, you have to do something during the intermissions, don't you? <laughs> they actually did fire me. This is a real thing. I got fired because I didn't push the butter enough <laughs> at the move. In, in Quebec, you charge extra for butter in French, very rudely, and people were very upset about it, and they would cuss me out, and then eventually they were like, you know, you just, you're not a good fit for being the popcorn butter pusher, and I was like, that's okay, we're, we can, we can move along, I think. First time you ever remember telling a joke and getting a laugh. Oh, I've been an asshole my whole life. Uh, so <laughs> that's on your resume too. I that believe. is also on my business card tattoos and more. I, I think it was like in class, like I was, uh, I was a very awkward child and I did not get along with a lot of people, but I think there were times where I've made a joke and people would laugh and I'm like, Oh, okay. This is something, but not often, <laughs> not often at that time. First time you stood on stage and got a laugh. I was probably 16 and I was in a melodrama and uh, I was overacting, but it worked. <laughs> Best story of doing stand up and bombing. Oh my God. Oh, there's too many. There's too many. Um, 
Okay, well, one that I tell is that my, I was on a show, but it was a, a music show. Like I was the only comic, everybody else was like sad songs about heartbreak. You know? <laughs> and then it's me just being like, well, I was fucking a roast turkey the other night. And like, people are not having it. That's just not, it's not a good fit. It doesn't gel. And the thing is that the person that was producing it is this lovely musician. And she was a friend of mine. And then when I got off stage, she's like, that was great. And I'm like, okay, like it wasn't because literally no one left. And then she was like, oh no, but they're a music audience. They didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh, that's just like imagining that music people are like, this person's so amazing. If only I had something to express that. No, just gonna stare. <laughs> just. It was, uh, it was very awkward and embarrassing. And then I went to another show to get the stink of failure off and bombed at that show too. The greatest thing you can ever do as an improviser is bomb beautifully. <laughs> yes. First time you ever realized you were a little bit different. Oh, there's no first time. I've always, that's always been the case. I was always a weirdo. And uh, I definitely always felt like people, I mean, I knew people thought I was a freak because they often said it. Uh, so, <laughs> so that was very clear. Uh, so no, I don't think I've ever felt like uh, normal or a part of things, even when I've been a part of things. I think I always feel a little bit like the, the freak looking in first time you knew you were your your own authentic self? Oh, that's a good question. I, I can't think of a like specific time. I feel like more and more, because I'm in my 40s, uh, more and more I feel like my authentic self. Like I don't care as much if people like me and I kind of feel like this is closer to who I want to be. Uh, but I'm not even, I'm not really sure that I can pinpoint a time. We'll find out what Monica wants to be and what she is now when we return with more on what women and other wonderful humans want. This is Alicia Zadig, author of the new book, Yes, Mistress. I'm also Mistress Alicia, a leading dominatrix and BDSM expert. My book, Yes, Mistress, takes you on a provocative, eye-opening journey into the erotic worlds of kink, fetish, and female domination. Join me for a fascinating conversation. Male submission is more common than you think, and more rewarding than you can ever imagine. Yes, Mistress is available now on Kindle, and you can pre-order your copy at yesmistress.com. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports, no, not the jet ski kind, and you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. 
curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. Everybody's got to start somewhere. And for Jean Bardot, that somewhere was pretty famous. It was called um, Sexorama. It was in the First Avenue nightclub here in Minneapolis. It was a Wednesday. And um, it was kind of an audition to be a performer every week for this Sexorama event. I lied about my age. I was underage. I had balls larger than life, I guess, at the time and just went for it. <laughs> the legendary Jean Bardot, December 14th on what women and other wonderful humans want. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. And now back to this episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Back on the show with Monica Hamburg, a comedian and, well, let's just face it, all-around awesome person. <laughs> when did you know that you wanted to tell jokes for a living? Um, I'm not sure I know that now. I, quite... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, only, I went into stand-up uh, at 40, so seven years ago. Well, six, but, you know. <laughs> The math, uh, but like around a little, little over six years ago. Uh, but I went into it specifically because I wanted to be a better writer and I wanted to be a better host uh, because I did want to host my own shows, uh, which at the time I was only doing online. So I was like, I would like to do this in person, but I'd like to be like eventually really good at it. And uh, I was talking to a comedian on my podcast, uh, I, uh, Matt, Matt Koff, who is a writer now for uh, The Daily Show, I believe. And he was lovely and he said, well, I didn't want to be a, com a comedian either, but I do it because it makes me a better writer. And then I was like, oh, I guess I have to do it then. <laughs> I guess that's that's the path. And so uh, so that's when I, why I started doing comedy. So I can say like sincerely that I really do enjoy doing standup, uh, but that wasn't the goal, you know? So it's, uh, it's more that I, I like to do my own shows. We have a similar story in that Neither one of us got into comedy. In my case, it was improv because I was in television for so many years. Okay. Until I was 40. Okay. And I spent most of the first few years doing improv going, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Did I don't you ever that feel that? Comedy. Uh, but what I find funny is like sometimes, uh, I mean, not sometimes, it's happened like maybe once, but it impacted me. Like when people assume you didn't have anything else going on before you started doing this. It's like, no, I didn't sit on my ass for 47 years or 40 years. Like I had a whole life before that. It was just, you know, different. It was, you know, just that I didn't start comedy, but I, yeah, I don't, in my case, I just don't regret that. Cause it wasn't, it wasn't the right time. So if you don't mind me asking, what did you do in those first 40 oh, years man. or actually the years 20 we don't need to know 20 to zero but you know 20 to 40 what yeah what was... made up the personality and uh, vocation of monica hammer <laughs> it's like it's like a printout of my baggage <laughs> i'll send it over uh so i was uh i was an actor um 
I can't say that I was a successful actor because that's a very tangible thing that I cannot prove. So I was an actor uh, and I did that for a good long time. And uh, then I went into tech and I was a tech speaker. I talked about digital marketing uh, for a number of years. And then I was like, oh, no, no, I need to go back into the arts because there's no money in that. And I want to make sure I die penniless. And so I did it. I did it. <laughs> I'm so proud. So that's sort of, I mean, I did, I did a comedy podcast for a while. And that, like I said, that was sort of the motivator of doing um, stand-up because I, I enjoyed talking to comedians and I loved riffing with them. And I was like, oh, you know, if I was better at this, I, it would be even cooler. Canada is a place that is just absolutely filled with comedy. I don't know if it's because of the cold weather or if it's because the people are so nice. But <laughs> when I think of comedy, I instantly go back to the SCTV days. Yeah, with Dave I mean... Thomas and Rick Moranis and Eugene Levy, who has oh. had a comeback of late, although he never went away, and oh, Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Also so great. Yeah. And then uh, Kids in the Hall as well as like a, a touchstone or I don't, that's not I mean, I'll be the word. But yeah, I mean, what's interesting, though, is Canada is a, there's lots of great stuff about Canada. There are, I'm sure, reasons uh, that are that I'm not thinking of that uh, why Canada is funny, but it's also a vast country. It's a huge country. And so I think we'd, you know, we'd have to have a number of funny people here at least. Uh, but I mean, I think the, the problem is that most people become famous outside of Canada, which is, you know, then I mean that as a problem to say that like Canada, you can only be so successful in Canada. So whenever, you know, you're most of the time when Americans are talking about Canadian comedians, it's because the Canadian comedians have gone to the US and been able to make a career there. And so it's kind of this weird dichotomy where it's like, okay, they're Canadian and Canadians want to kind of hold on to that, like a heritage of them being Canadians, but we are not a, we don't have the infrastructure here uh, or nor do we really support uh, the comedic arts in Canada the way that we should and maybe a little differently than the way Americans do. And so, uh, so I don't, you know, all that's a very long way of saying, I don't know, which is kind of what, that's my trademark is very long ways of saying, I don't know. Total tangent here. Yes not meaning anything, but is it harder to be a comedian in Montreal because you can only play in half the houses because most of them are speaking a different language? I wouldn't say, I mean, <laughs> no, weirdly, no. Um, weirdly, no. Uh, you, it's such a small community that in a way it's like, in a lot of ways, it's been really lovely because you know everybody and there's something mm -hmm. cool about that and I think you have the there's still so much happening within such a small community I've really enjoyed coming here in a way that like I have you know had experience uh doing comedy in other cities and good experiences too but I yeah it, it's weird that that's not as big a deal as it should be but also uh I don't earn money much doing comedy <laughs> so so that's i'm sure if like my income relied on it i'd be like i cannot believe how few opportunities there are but as someone who you know understands that the arts may not be uh profitable uh i feel a little differently you arrived at this particular show through our mutual friend mistress diamond blue yeah 
who is an amazing human, absolutely love her to death. Yeah, me too. And it didn't scare you, the type of people that have been on this show, <laughs> to well, say, no, oh, I'd like to be a part of this show. Oh, I mean, what attracted you to us? <laughs> well, I have a show called Pornomity. Uh, so sex is like a big part of like both my comedy and I guess my brand and identity and all that. I'm very, I'm always interested in sex. I'm very, always interested in sexuality. I'm always interested in people being open about it. Like I loved your talk with uh, Janet Handel, Handel, how do you pronounce, I'm, I'm, I screw up names so bad. She's the, the ethical slut writer. Oh, Janet Hardy. Yeah. Hardy. Oh, I knew I wouldn't get there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> names were well cool. you know good old tom handel he's an amazing actor and... uh, <laughs> i don't just screw up uh some names i screw up all names uh, well you so, got a handle on that one but, uh, I'm, but good night everybody okay. tip your halibut <laughs> i um uh yes when you were talking with her it was just so nice to hear her talk about this thing about like the identity of of being a slut and like, you know, and taking away the shame of sexuality, especially when it comes to women. I mean, I know there are baggages when it comes to men, uh, but just not the same, not the same and not uh, as ridiculous, I guess, maybe more. There's just more ridiculousness when it comes to uh, women and the way they talk about their sexuality, the way people talk about women's sexuality when they're open. So um, yeah, I've always been very interested in that. I was always a pervert and, uh, so absolutely, I love being on shows and talking to people who are also, you know, not restricted in that way. Is sex funny? Oh, God, yeah, of course. I mean, sexuality is funny. I mean, sex itself is just weird. Uh, <laughs> like sex is weird when you break down the mechanics of the whole thing. It's just so fucking odd. But also it's just funny in so many ways, like how repressed we are about it, how we pretend to be more than these people who are just, you know, functioning genitalia sometimes. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, we've all been in that state where it's like, all you can think about is sex and you're like, how am I supposed to function? How am I supposed to do anything when I just want to get laid? And it's like, well, how are we supposed to do that? We're just kind of, sometimes it's just like, we're just aliens with genitalia, you know? <laughs> What's the funniest thing that you've discovered about sex? I don't know if it's funny. It's just, it'll just be me being peculiar, but you want to go with that? Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, I hate semen. I just do. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm very lucky because uh, my boyfriend is, uh, he's a diabetic. That's usually not lucky when you say that, but I'm going to pause and just let you take that in. Uh, but he's also had a vasectomy. And those two things have combined in that he uh, doesn't uh, erupt in semen. And I'm just like so fucking grateful. It's so clean. <laughs> I really like it. But he still has enjoyment, correct? Yes, but I don't have to be wet. And it's so, not in that way. And it's so nice and sticky, you know, and, and smell like bleach. I don't have to do that. And that's amazing. What was the first sex joke you ever told? Do you remember? No, not at all. I can't remember. Uh... What was the last sex joke you told? <laughs> well, I recently did my pornomity show. Uh... 
I cannot remember a specific one, but I, I love talking about uh, the the comments in porn section in sorry uh, the comments in porn sites you know they're just the dumbest the dumbest and the most entitled and they are just so entertaining but the one i guess that i'll, I'll highlight is there's one where it was for um the title is something like sex with a dead beauty so you're like okay well we know what that's about right uh and all right everyone has their fetish you know that's that's fine uh but uh what was great was the comments were just so angry they were like fake fake this is fake and you're just like you guys you need to relax like i'm so sorry that it being fake is upsetting to you that's just, please don't out yourself like you, you just keep it to yourself that you would really prefer this person was dead on this video <laughs> no that's what they were that's what they were mad about but it's i mean and that's an extreme obviously about the porn comments because sometimes it's just entitled like oh well, I wouldn't fuck someone that had that many tattoos. It's like, well, she's not asking you to, and she never will. So don't worry. What's the difference between a comedian and someone who just tells jokes? In terms of like street jokes, like if someone's just funny or people who get on stage and just tell jokes. What is the thing that comedians inherently have inside? that allow them to make sense of a series of jokes and be able to tell a story through those uh, as opposed to somebody who just rips off one-liners. Sure. Uh, I would say near paralyzing depression for most people is probably the ticket. Uh, um, I think it's, uh, I, I mean, I, I, and I don't want to insult one-liner comics by any stretch. So I, I, I know that's not what you were getting at, but I just need that disclaimer because some people are so brilliant at one-liners. Um, I think that comedians are kind of obsessed with writing and obsessed with making a joke perfect in a way that I think that if someone is just like, I'm funny and I'm going to get on stage and then, and you know, it's like, yeah, sure. But you're not going to continue writing and try to make things better because you're just not that invested in it. I think you have to have a very obsessive personality. Like, uh, you know, you know, like if you like binge watching something and you're like, oh, I just want to watch this show. And then you just want to watch it again and again. I think comedians are like that because they're, they just want to keep doing that thing. You did mention something a moment ago about depressive personalities. Yes. And it does seem to be a common thread yeah. amongst not only comedians, but many funny people. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Is it an armor? I don't know if it is an armor. I mean, I think, in, yes, in some ways, I think we all learn to cope with the things that are uncomfortable in different ways. And I think comedians do cope with things that they're not happy about with their life or life in general but with humor but I don't know if it's so much of an armor as like I don't know maybe like a little it's maybe too much awareness like not necessarily of the world but of themselves like I think they think too much and I don't think that's always healthy I think if you examine your own thoughts and your reality all the time to mine for gold that you could write about it it's not always uh, the best thing. Especially when you do kind of have to examine what your world is going through. 
Absolutely. And especially when you're consistently in dark, dingy basements working on jokes. I mean, that's it's not the most conducive to like a upbeat attitude. And then you go perform sometimes in dark, dingy basements. Well, exactly. Exactly. It's just consistently dark, dingy basements for like quite a while, too. And then there's some really good venues that are dark, dingy basements. So I don't want to complain about it. And there's some good dungeons that are dark. Never mind. Absolutely. Yes. That's also true. Did you or do you have any comedic influences? I do, and I never remember when people ask. But I love, I love David Cross. I love, um, you know, I grew up listening to Billy Crystal and Jerry Seinfeld and uh, George Carlin, and I love all of those guys. And I liked uh, Julie Tenutum was a, she used to do this like crazy accordion thing, and she was lots of fun. <laughs> Judy Tenuta, I haven't heard that one sure. in ages. I know, but she was very funny. Yeah, she was. A- <laughs> and weird and like not a lot of people did that especially women so it was so refreshing to see that I can only imagine in any sort of vocation where women have to work that much harder to be accepted yeah and I hate that oh god I hate I hate it too it drives me nuts and I I been quoted on this podcast many times as saying in the battle of the sexes i can't cheer for my own side (laughs) well thank you for that because i think that there is a certain talent that women bring to anything that's creative Hmm. and i also will put it in in the the case of kink as well In the case of kink in a scene, you get your negotiation and you start with what you have and you work towards what you want. Okay. In improv, you get a gift or a suggestion and you move towards the solution. Mm -hmm. In anything creative, most men get the problem and go for the solution, okay. straight line. Okay. Women get the problem or the scenario, take one step forward and suddenly they're looking all the way around them. Oh, interesting. Okay. I've never thought about it that way, but I like that you do. And for me to be able to see this 360 degree view of the world, instead of having tunnel vision towards an ending, hmm creates a much richer much more fulfilling way to tell a story okay because it's not about the destination it's about the journey interesting okay do you find that in your writing and i want to get into your shows here that it is about the journey as opposed to the destination oh Well, I have a tattoo that says focus on the journey. So that tells you how much I need to do that, but don't do it. (laughs) So uh, I have to constantly remind myself of that because it's extremely hard for me to not focus on the goal itself and not be obsessive about doing something perfectly. So no, that's a real like 
it's extremely hard for me to think of things as a journey, even though I consistently have to remind myself of that because I miss out on so much of the journey by trying to get to the goal or trying to show that I'm doing the goal. And it's, uh, I'm like, oh man, you know, like it's like, uh, you know, when you have a job and you, uh, you consistently dream about the weekend and then suddenly mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I am spending my whole life just waiting for the weekend. Like, it's not to that degree, but I spend a lot of my time trying to uh, probably feel like I'm doing well or I've accomplished something. And uh, it means I miss out on all the enjoyment of the whole process. So I work at this constantly, but, I'll, <laughs> but I'm also terrified because I'm already in my late 40s and I'm still working on this. I'm working on it. <laughs> Why does that terrify you? I, because I'm 58 and I worry about things. You're in your 40s. You've got a long way to go. Well, it's more like a pro. Well, it's just more like it's a good chunk of my life that I've spent stressing out over things that don't matter. And it's not like it's, I suddenly realized that and then stopped stressing out. That's still a continual thing. And so I'm always, I'm a little like, no, like just stop. There's, you know, I, I mean, that, I don't know. I can't express it any better than it. It's just, it's, it's frustrating to, uh, it's frustrating to know that you are missing out on a lot of enjoyment and still not be a hundred percent, uh, in the direction of, okay, that I can just let go. Let me just let go and see what happens. It's still like, okay, but you gotta push, push, push. And it's like, no, no, stop. So. Monica, different, difficult question for you yeah. then. Sure. Is it impossible for you to be in a moment or what can allow you to be in a moment? That's a huge, huge difficulty. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's impossible. I, I do sometimes find myself like, obviously, if I'm performing, sometimes I am in the moments when I'm producing my shows and, and I'm doing it, I'm, I'm there, I'm doing the show. And, you know, I'm kind of paying attention to all sorts of things, but I, I think I'm present. Uh, when I'm having sex, sometimes I'm present. And that's, the, <laughs> that's where these two things coincide. It's that, you know, you can only be so distracted or you, you're not there. You're not like enjoying the moment. Um, but, uh, but that is a constant journey to be in the present. And it's like super, uh, it, it's like an alien concept to me that I'm like con- trying to understand oh, what the humans do. The humans, apparently, some of them, are in the present. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And maybe if I keep observing them, I will understand this. You were in New York City a few years ago doing a one-person show. It's called $50 Future. A one-person show. You can't rely on anybody else in a one-person show. Mm -hmm. How difficult is that? Hmm. Um, I don't know if it is that much more difficult than like stand up or anything. I mean, you're alone on stage doing stand up too. So I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that part was the difficulty. I think the cons- the the process of finding the show of like finding, you know, what I was going to do with it and writing it, that stress I think was the most difficult part. The performing was like stressful. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's any more difficult than anything else that's also been torturous for me. 
<laughs> I, you know, when you talk to someone like me about the arts, you know, it's like, why do you do it? You sound miserable, but I, I do enjoy it some of the time. Take me through the process of what producing a one woman show or a one person show is. Oh, so that was, uh, so I was doing a, uh, I submitted for a festival uh, and it was because I was like going through this process. I had just done Pornomity at uh, Montreal Comic-Con and a few other places and it had gone well, but it had been like two or three weeks. So now I'm like, I gotta do something else. I mean, what am I resting on my laurels here? It's been three weeks. So I I'm like, I'm going to submit for this festival because uh, I love New York and I love you know the art scene in New York. And, uh, and it was like a one person show and you write your own one person show with it. I think it was a span of three months, like 80 days or something like that. Uh, and then you would perform it. So it'd be like, you know, the first run of, of something, right? Like first itineration. And, uh, and so then I saw that and I submitted and uh, then I like, you know, started thinking about, like I, I, I started thinking about the concept and I submitted and, and then I was like, you know what? It's a good idea. I'm going to get this. You know, you know, this is a really good idea, Monica. You're going to get this. That's really great. And then I got the email that I got it and I flipped the fuck out. <laughs> I was like, oh no, 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 I have to do this. What was I thinking? Oh my God. So, so that was the process. And then it was, uh, you know, a whole bunch of time trying to write this and I I, I have, um, there's a woman named Anne-Marie Scheffler, I believe is her last name. Remember how I screwed up the name earlier? We're going to just like, <laughs> we're just going to say that that's possible. Oh, it's Schaefer, but no, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Scheffler, and she's lovely and she does a lot of one woman shows and she also coaches people to do one person shows and she's amazing and so I, I I you know got her to work with me on this and and you know kind of lead you know I, I would draft stuff and then perform it and she would give me suggestions and they she was just great she was really really helpful and very supportive and so that was a big part of the process was you know having someone who had an objective eye about this kind of stuff, see me do it and help me through that process. So yeah, that was, that was a part of it. And then, uh, yeah, then I rehearsed it until I wanted to throw up and still barely remembered much, but that was, that's just the way it is. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. I was, it was multimedia too. So that's always, I, I love working with like multimedia components. I think it's, exciting so um yeah i don't know if i fully answered your question but that was that was the process as i remember it and the performance not being necessarily the destination but the performance is the culmination of everything yeah is it almost disappointing to get to that point and realize okay, now I really have to do this. Or is that where the excitement begins? Uh, this is a complicated one because of COVID, uh, because mm. I did expect to do it again. Uh, and then because of COVID, I haven't. And now I'm not sure how much of it I'd want to do again, because it was a very like, it feels like a little bit of my past now, uh, mm -hmm. but but I don't know because there's lots of it that I still think is interesting. So we'll see. Um, I... I, yeah, I feel like a little of both. I feel like there is that moment where you've done it and then you're like, oh, that's it. You know, that all that time and that's mm -hmm. it. But then also it's like, oh, cool. I did that, you know, because it's terrifying. And, and I mean, all of this is. And so whenever I do it, it's kind of like, 
well, you did that. You did something that like a lot of people want to do or say they're going to do and they don't do it. So that part is really satisfying. When we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, we're going to talk a little bit about stories. And we're also going to compare comedy and kink when we return. Hi, I'm Venus. I've been sharing my love for this beautiful relationship dynamic for, well, years now. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that finally there's a matchmaking service for single women and single men who want a loving, cuckolding relationship. It's called Venus Connections. It's a personalized matchmaking service and three-week educational program that's safe, private, and individualized for what you want. Women, you no longer need to endure the headache of filtering through blank profiles and dealing with online creeps. And men, you can stop wasting time on those fake profiles and women with all sorts of ulterior motives. Venus Connections works for you to find what you want. You can learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. You deserve the relationship of your dreams. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Hi, this is Rachel Leadham, aka The Conscious Masochist. I'm an author and sadomasochism integration mentor who encourages the mindful exploration of your dark side. I offer astrological birth chart readings to interpret your sadomasochistic blueprint through the clues found within your chart. You can learn more about my work, including the ebook Conscious Masochism, at my website, www.rachelleadham.com, and join us on Instagram at The Conscious Masochist. And be sure to check out my episode in the archives of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please, remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. And I tease the fact that I wanted to compare comedy to kink. And this is how I'm going to do it. To create 
a good show, you have to have a good story behind it. You have to touch certain points. Mm. You have to tie things together. See what I did there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I even said that. <laughs> <laughs> but in bringing together a story, what is the germ of the idea? Is it something that you heard passing by one day? Is it a collection like Larry David has of writing a bunch of ideas in a notebook that you go back to? Where does the scene start? Mm, okay. It, it starts in many different places. I would say that a lot of times it starts from like a point of frustration about something whatever that something is, you know, like if it's frustration about COVID, if it's frustration about uh, a sign I saw or an attitude about something, or like a lot of my current material is uh, about Facebook, you know, and being addicted to things like Facebook. So I, I think it, it does usually start with like this fascination with the frustration of something, I guess. And uh, that's, and then I do, yes, I, I keep, you know, I keep notebooks, but I am mostly, you know, notes, notes on my phone, documents that are hundreds of pages long. Like I, I do not, if I die, I need to, you know, I need to like have my computers like explode with me because it's so embarrassing how like many hundreds of pages I have written about bad dates, you know, or something so trivial. It's like, this is what you spent your time on. This is the person's life. Okay. So many dames or people who top sometimes feel like they are fetish dispensers. Mm. That's a word I hear a lot. Yeah. In writing comedy, you have people that want all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. In the case of your dominatrices and stuff, they not only want to please their partner or their client, but they also want to feel that enjoyment themselves. Mm -hmm. So where is your negotiation where it comes to how much you're writing for your audience versus how much you're writing for yourself? Oh, that's a very hard one because, you know, you can't just write I, I will always like I don't write to make uh, I don't know how to express this I don't write to make people in the audience happy in the sense like I don't pander I don't write something and I'm like oh this is gonna be great because people are always like when people talk about this or whatever I I always write of like this is funny to me and I would like them to find it funny but I also uh I think that, you know, you have to be aware of the audience. And so it is a negotiation of like, well, sometimes I think things are really funny and they do not work. And then I'm like, oh, I guess this is something that just works for me. And then it kind of is something I need to take off stage because I'm not just there for me. And, and when you see comics that are just there for themselves, it's very obvious. And uh, it, it doesn't work because it is a relationship. And I genuinely... I, yeah, I genuinely like people and I like performing and I love, um, I do love when I meet people and they've enjoyed my act or when they want to be friends with me. I think that's like a really fun thing. So like, I, I really enjoy um, connecting with people and having fun and getting them to laugh. And so it is like, uh, 
I always want them to feel a part of the act. I don't want it to be completely separate. And connection is such an amazingly important word when it comes to either kink or love or being a human mm -hmm. or comedy. Another thing that is very important, if we're going to keep this analogy going of kink and comedy, is great scenes have a wonderful rhythm to them. Mm -hmm. A touch here, a piece of impact there, a certain word here. Is there, when you perform, a certain rhythm going through your head, realizing that you can't have all big zingers and you have to have subtlety in other places otherwise you keep them on such a high that they never come down and not don't give them the room to move yeah that's been a big problem of mine you know just that people are like they're just like oh your every joke is so brilliant and i i you know could you give us a little moment you know it's it's a real struggle. I have to. I have to really work. I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll suck at some jokes just to make you guys happy. Uh, no, I wish I had that problem. I wish that. <laughs> I mean, I do think I'm genuinely funny, but uh, I wish I had the problem of of really having to navigate that. I that is definitely a, a structure thing that they that is important in comedy to make sure that you're not always doing that. But I can tell you that uh, I don't. I don't have like a hundred jokes that make people laugh so hard that, you know, they're having seizures in the aisles of the, the comedy show and I have to, you know, have to call the ambulance to revive them. That's actually a thing I, I saw, but not because of the, I, I've seen people have, uh, I've, I've been in two comedy shows, uh, not just as an audience member where something's happened and the comedian didn't know that people weren't enjoying themselves. They were just like, you know, oh, I guess someone's like laughing. Oh, and then the ambulance comes. So that's just a, that's a reference in my own head. Uh, that was very funny to me and that I did not convey well, very much like some of the jokes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I definitely am aware of that structure. And there are times where I'm like, this is a strong joke. And, you know, like I do structure things according to like where things will land and how funny they are. But uh, yeah, I would, I long to have the problem where everything I say is at a hundred and I have to take it down. That would be really, oh. God, what a, what a problem to have. <laughs> so you've gotten through the beautiful scene or the show. You're on an absolute high. You've worked so hard to get this show exactly where you wanted it to be, from the germ of an idea to the writing of it, to the producing of it, to performing it. And then you're done. Mm -hmm. Explain to me how comedians handle prop. How, how comedians handle? I missed that last word. Drop. Drop. Uh, okay, well, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I think it's somewhat common, the, the feeling, but I obviously don't want to speak for everyone. Um, so there's like a time of like exhilaration where you're like, I did this thing and you're proud of yourself when it goes well. And you're like, yeah, cool. You know, I, I, I wasn't crazy for doing this crazy thing. This is, it's, you know, this makes sense. This is right. And, uh, and then that lasts for like a maximum of two days. 
I don't think it's ever lasted longer than that, you know, and it's nice if it's on a weekend because then you can just like kind of flow through a weekend. That's really fun. Uh, but then invariably uh, life intrudes and your ego intrudes and you're like in this uh, next space of like, what's next? And, you know, I guess I have to keep working at this. I'm still, I, no, you know, this wasn't good enough or, or, you know, I, yeah, I have to keep moving forward or you know, other things in your life kind of intrude and make you remember that you're, you know, a human with feet on the earth instead of like this flotation device that's, that's just enjoying the everything and everything's perfect. So that's, that's sort of the drop that I experience is that like at a certain point, it's just like, oh no, now I, now everything sucks again, you know, <laughs> something, you know, maybe not that dramatic always, but sometimes it's like, oh, well, that's reality intrudes a little bit or or my version of reality intrudes your latest show and the one that is coming up in december is one that is a described as a panel show called pornomity that was tell the most recent one. one that's sorry mm -hmm. go ahead Tell, tell me about what that show is all about. Absolutely. So that's my favorite show. Uh, but I just want to say that that just happened and it probably won't happen again until like 2022 next year. Uh, but oh, there okay. will be another show that I'm doing in De on December 4th. But we gotcha. can talk about that after. So let, let's, let's do the edit there and let's try this again. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. I'm sorry. I, I will do my sorry. And no, and, no, you, you don't be Canadian. We, we vote three times. Okay. Okay. I, I'm only, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to correct you. It's your show. I just, I'm just having fun with you. And that's what editing is for. See? That is true. Go. Thank you for editing. I appreciate that. I so can. yeah, I just had pornomity. I do want to talk about pornomity, but well, I also let's, that, I'm going to bring it into, I'm going to bring it in a different way. Here we okay, go. Okay. Cool. I want to talk about your latest show that I understand is one that you really love before we start talking about the show that's coming up in December. You just did a show called Pornomity, which just the sheer title says awesome. Tell me about that show. Oh, I love that show. I love that. That is my baby. That is my perverted baby. And I love it with all my heart. Uh, so Pornomity is a panel show. So I have three other comics and I, I have a slew of slides, uh, screenshots that I have, I have taken from the many, many years of watching porn, the many years of trying to masturbate and often failing because I get distracted <laughs> because because there's so much absurdity uh, on porn sites and uh, and I love porn. I really do, and I've always loved porn. Uh, it's the it's the comments that are insane. It's the way people tag things where you're like, I'm never. I would have never found this, you dick. Like, what, are you the only person that wants to masturbate to this? It's just your personal file. <laughs> How dare you? And then also uh, the way they title things as well, mm -hmm. which sometimes are just like their own pathology of like, okay, well, you know. I hate women. And uh, this, is, this is, let me just express that through this title. And uh, it's wonderful. I mean, I, I take great pleasure in it. I take, uh, I, I do also find it really fun to, um, to explore just the ridiculous misogyny sometimes. And from the perspective, obviously, of somebody who loves porn, you know, really enjoys porn and, and likes sex and all that stuff and still is like, okay, sometimes you, you guys, you gotta just... <laughs> You just got to calm down. 
I will actually send you a link to a person who's been on this show, her page on Pornhub. Nice. Because the titles <laughs> of it. Okay. Now, she's a verified performer, meaning she now has control over her image on Pornhub, That's which fantastic. is a huge thing. Yes. But some of the titles are woman, two women. <laughs> okay. Woman. Mm. Not titles that she came up with, <laughs> but she's always, she actually mentioned on the show when she was on with Nisa Nevers and, and Adara Jordan, two other fetish models. Where do guys come up with these god awful titles? <laughs> Yeah, and I and you know I was thinking of more the ones where they're being creative, but these are even sadder. Like this is this is just sad. Like like you, for example, oh, oh well, like well, it, you know, so it's sometimes it just. I mean, literally, let me let me just like open something up because sometimes it's just okay. That might um, be a title. Open something up. Open something <laughs> up. Famous, famous, Owen of Philist. Do you know what that word is? Um, no. Okay, so I think I looked it up and it was like something to do with sexuality and then I forgot because I was going to masturbate. But famous Owenophilist and lover of women, Stephen Saquois, was thunderstruck with George, gorgeous blonde babe, Brittany Skye. And that's not even like one of the worst, but you're just like, you didn't need all those words, buddy. Like, I don't know why you needed to get like a, a $20 word in there. Like that was that is a twenty dollar word. That's not a toony word. That's a twenty dollar word $20 right there. And and there's no reason for it. No one's ever searching for Owenophilist and and going. Yeah, I can't wait to masturbate to that. It, it's just it's this is like this is just somebody you know somebody who wants to prove their intelligence and they're so uptight that they have to do it even when uploading porn, and that's, <laughs> it's just wrong. It's just wrong. And, but then there's so many more ones where it's just like, well, you hate women. Like your, your title's like two horrible, two bitchy sluts who need to get laid and cummed on who deserve the worst in life. Like, you know, just some of it where you're like, this is your own story. This is your own problem. Uh, really, that's not what's happening in this video at all. <laughs> this is just two women having sex, but you have a lot of things going on that umbrella this. Do you have a favorite porn name? that you've ever heard oh yeah i i don't know sometimes they're amazing sometimes and, but here's the thing i'm i'm really dumb when it comes to puns and like uh double entendre words or things like that like it takes me it takes me years sometimes to be like oh that's what they meant with that title so i think i do that probably with poor names where i'm like that's pretty and then it's like mm -hmm. oh because you the the, the vaginal and the okay okay i get it now no i don't have ones that i can think of right now they're all pretty fucking great especially I ones that are takeoffs on like other celebrities names so tell me about the new show that is coming up here very very soon cool cool so uh coming up next is a show that I am co-producing with my friend and wonderful comic, Peter J. Radomski. And uh, we've done one show before in 2020, the, the fated year, 2020. Uh, and it, yeah, so it's called Mom Off. And what it is, is a show about difficult moms. And uh, we 
pit moms against each other, but it's not the moms telling the, the tales. It's uh, their children uh, who are adults and uh, suitably traumatized. Uh, but basically we have, it's another panel show and we have three guests and we ask them questions like, the, for instance, something like if your mother had a superpower uh, to terrorize you, what would it be? Or a superpower to, that she would use to terrorize people, what would it be? Those kind of things. Um, but we have Guilt. a lot of very weird, what's that? guilt oh exactly and it usually is something like guilt but it's also like sometimes it's passive aggressiveness and guilt but then they have to explain how and we've got a lot of really bizarre questions and then because peter and i both have like very challenging mothers uh it's it's fun to kind of read, explain like because there's a winner at the end of this a uh, winner slash loser the person that has the most difficult mom and uh we all kind of you know, we explain things about our mom and, and, you know, say why we would be contenders if we were part of this competition, why we would, our moms could actually win this prize. It's a fun show. And I was pretty impressed with the amount of wackiness of other types of mothers, you know, like you have one and you're like that, this is the specific type of wackiness. But then uh, you hear other people and you're like, your mom's a criminal like your your mom your mom's like a petty thief but like at the you know just at just for fun you know just that's freaking weird you know and then another guest where you're like oh my god you know like that's especially bizarre you know one of our guests was um vivith uh and i'm gonna pronounce his name badly because we've discussed that i suck at names uh and uh and he's fantastic and he was uh his mom one of the things was like this technique where she boiled uh, fabric softener. That was her thing to freshen up the apartment, but it's also like completely toxic. And so <laughs> it's just this wonderful thing where you go, okay, uh, how do you, you know, to try to explain to a parent that they're doing something potentially dangerous is such a like wonderful and unusual thing, you know, that like people, you know, you're actually the de facto parent because you're explaining you know, how to, how to be an adult. <laughs> it's, it's really wonderful. So it's a very fun show and it is really good, especially if you have a lot of frustrations with your mom, you know, it's a nice cathartic show to see and, and be like, oh yeah, you know, we, we are all, a lot of us are dealing with this, so. And when and where is the performance? It is in Montreal. We would like to take it further, uh, but right now it is in Montreal and it is at Freestanding Room which is in the plateau in Montreal. And it's on Friday, December 3rd at 8 p.m. Fantastic. What are some of the other ways we can connect with you? Oh my God, I am, I am a social media slut. You can find me all over the net. So I am on Instagram at Monica.Hamburg. I am on Twitter at Monica Hamburg. Uh, I am on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash C slash Monica Hamburg. I believe TikTok is at Monica Hamburg, uh, Facebook, anywhere you want to find me, you can find me. It is not difficult, but my website has all of this stuff and it's uh, monicahamburg.com. It has been a, an H-O-O-T hoot. I'm glad you, you spelled it show. right because it would hurt if you were like, it's been a hot. And I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. It's but been a hot. <laughs> I mean, that'd be good, but not funny, but good. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a real who talking with you too. Thank you so much. It's been lots of fun. 
Just an absolutely fun time with Monica Hamburg this week on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want as we try to bring you a little bonus episode during the holiday season. We won't be slowing down next Tuesday as we have a return visit from the one, the only, Lee Harrington. This was an amazing conversation that we had. Very introspective for myself, but I think you all will get a lot out of it too. Until then, I'm John, also known as Hi There, Catsuit. Thank you for being with us. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. We invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky.